Hello and welcome to Wild and Untamed, the podcast for the unapologetic and embodied, where we will be talking all things esoteric, cosmic and taboo without a filter. Today's guest is the incredible Julianne Dallas, who is a trauma-informed life coach who helps people to break through their patterns of self-sabotage by understanding their nervous system, their attachment styles, and how early childhood experiences can shape our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in adulthood. In this episode, we dive into all of the above. We talk about the autonomic nervous system, we go through what the different pieces of the autonomic nervous system are and how you can move from that space of dysregulation into a safe and secure space of regulation. We talk about co-regulation and the benefits of connection as human beings and how that affects our relationships. So I cannot wait for you to dive into this. It's so juicy. It's quite literally mic drop after mic drop. You may need to listen to it a couple of times. And honestly, Julianne is so incredible. She has been so pivotal in helping me to understand more deeply my nervous system. And I've had so many breakthroughs since connecting with her. And so I am truly honored and blessed to have her on today. Oh, enjoy, 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 enjoy. Julianne, hi. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to dive in with you in this episode. We have just been taking a couple of minutes to drop in and it's already just been so full. So welcome to Wild and Untamed. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, There's so much that I want to ask you and... There have been so many pieces that you have supported me in putting together and in my understanding of the nervous system and attachment styles and how all of these pieces can come into play with how we navigate life. And as I said in the intro, you are a trauma-informed coach. So I think that um, one of the first pieces just for those watching here, when we hear the word trauma, we think something big. We think of a horrendous experience. We think of like abuse or witnessing something really traumatic, but that's not necessarily the case when we're speaking into trauma. So would you care to just give a little more context to that piece? Absolutely. We spoke about this a little bit before we hopped on, but it's one of the, the number one things that I hear from people is generally a misconception about what trauma is or rather what it can be. I think it can also be very stigmatized because people don't want to put a label, nor should they, but they don't want to put a label about themselves that, oh, I have trauma because oftentimes that can be very disempowering and put people into a victim consciousness that maybe they're not willing to go to. So there's, like you said, what you just described is acute trauma, right? So acute trauma would can be, you know, car accidents or uh, assaults or, you know, being 
the type of environment that you would experience as a police officer or a soldier or an EMS worker or mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, anything that's acutely traumatic, but to distill what trauma informed is and you know the work that I do, it's a lot simpler than that. Mm-hmm. And all it means is that trauma is the chronic interruption of connection. Mm-hmm. So as human beings, connection is a biological imperative. When I say that, I mean, in order to actually develop new neurons in the brain and new neural pathways and actually grow in the way that we're designed to, we have to have connection. We're a species that has evolved over hundreds of thousands of years in connection with one another. So this whole idea that we can, you know, we're the lone wolves and we can be the hero of our own journey and we can, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and all this crap, it's a fallacy because we need human connection. Like I said, it's a biological imperative. Mm. So understanding that when there is the chronic interruption of connection, either, and usually it starts in early childhood in relationship with our primary caregivers, but it can also be in, you know, um, an unhealthy relationship or a toxic relationship if there's the chronic interruption of connection, the body can experience that as a kind of trauma that you need protection from, Mm. right? That's really what trauma is, right? The chronic interruption of connection that then your body adapts to, to find these ways to protect you from the predictability of the interruption of connection. When really all we want is to be deeply connected in every area of our lives, right? That doesn't just mean relationships, that means all of the things that we're in relationship to, our businesses, our money, our environment, our bodies, our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. And I love actually that you just highlighted that because we've been speaking as well about how the patterns that show up in one area of our life often then find the ability to infiltrate all of the areas of our lives. And we don't necessarily always recognize the pieces and patterns. And one thing that you've really highlighted for me through um, our connection together has been around the disorganized pattern, um, which I'm gonna invite you into just explaining a little bit more about because that was a huge eye-opener for me. and from identifying this disorganized piece that had been coming up, I then started to recognize how it was showing up in many different facades across multiple different areas of my life. So understanding how it interacted and showed up in one place, now I feel I could disorganize pattern ninja. (laughs) I can see all of these pieces where, And again, like with healing, and this is in my experience, is that once we witness and we recognize a pattern, it's like the ego gets smarter and it finds like these little like sneaky ways to continue to perpetuate that pattern or protection to your point, like that way to protect us because it goes, okay, you've recognized this. Let's find another way. And I feel like as I personally go through the layers of healing. It's not necessarily loads of different things. It's actually a couple of core pieces 
that express themselves in multiple different ways and it gets more and more subtle and nuanced and so it's this constant unfolding and I don't know what the word is but I'm kind of doing ninja <laughs> like, um, like decoding yeah yeah like you said I love the ninja analogy because you said these patterns can be sneaky mm. right so it's kind of this consistent invitation back to the self to move towards secure attachment which is really the only way to soothe these attachment patterns that play out in our adult lives and you spoke of the disorganized attachment pattern and how you're noticing that all of these things that maybe at one point seemed unrelated to each other or maybe chaotic or overwhelming you know how do i how do i fix all of these things you're starting to notice that oh all of that is actually just a projection of a very simple core piece that is disorganized mm -hmm. and so really manifesting that to have that reflected in my reality so that i can be in synergy with my external reality yeah so i don't feel out of place or like oof ah so i want to come back to this is something that you'll hear me say a lot how you relate to one thing is how you relate to everything mm -hmm. and this is so true because our all of our ability to be in relationship with things so the actual relational mechanism that's in your biology that allows you to even experience yourself as separate from life itself mm -hmm. right so you know we have sometimes in deep meditation you can feel yourself literally at one with everything oh yeah <laughs> but that's not our you know everyday reality usually so your ability to actually be in relationship with things it's your autonomic nervous system that provides you that. For context, your autonomic nervous system is the same part of your body that controls your heartbeat. It's very unconscious. So unless you are some type of super evolved monk who can you know, literally control his own heartbeat and be conscious of that, our relational mechanisms are so primal and intimate to our being that it takes a lot of presence, a lot of safety, and a lot of healthy co-regulation. So healthy, consistent, safe connection mm -hmm. in order for us to start becoming conscious of things that innately tend to be unconscious to us. So our autonomic nervous system is where our attachment patterns, you mentioned the disorganized pattern, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. It's where our attachment patterns essentially show up. So when we talk about patterns, we're talking about the way that your autonomic nervous system has learned to be in rhythm with life. Mm. And so that's why we say how you relate to one thing is how you relate to everything, because there's nothing deeper than your autonomic nervous system. Yeah. Right. So if your autonomic nervous system is the mechanism for relating period, whatever pattern is present there, is inevitably going to show up in your romantic relationships like i said in your business your money your body your sense of self anything anything that your relationship you're in relationship to which is by the way everything because life is all about relationships yeah you're going to notice that pattern so the disorganized attachment piece mm -hmm. 
this is really that come here, go away experience. And I'm using my hands here for anyone who's listening, but it can also be like, imagine the visual of one foot on the gas mm -hmm. fully and one foot also fully on the brakes. So this familiarity of feeling, I want this, but I can't have this or come here, go away. Mm. Right? That really presences itself, especially in romantic relationships that way. Like, oh, I just want, I just want love and I want to be seen and I just want a partnership. And then as soon as you get that partnership, it's like, oh my God, I didn't have, like too close, too much. And then we start to pick apart things in the partner. Oh yeah. And to create the reason to push them away because that's a disorganized pattern mm -hmm. right? with money, right? Ooh, I want, I want this money. I want this money or I want abundance or I want to live a certain life and I need money to do that. But then at an unconscious level, there's a part of us that says, but I don't actually want that. Yeah. So we find all of these sneaky ways to push money away or to make the pursuit of money so challenging and so hard that we ultimately don't get what we want. And even though our conscious mind doesn't enjoy the stuckness of that, mm -hmm. there is a unconscious familiarity with that pattern rooted in the autonomic nervous system that actually loves the stuckness, the disorganization and the chaos of that simply because it's familiar. And yeah. familiarity often means safety. Right. So safety on the level of it's keeping you alive. Yeah. So unless you make that conscious, it's really hard to override your autonomic nervous system. That's trying to keep you alive. Yeah. And I think that that piece is really powerful for people to understand because so often we can, and I have absolutely been here, we can make ourselves wrong for experiencing the things that we don't want to experience because we're trying to call in something else or our desires say something else and then anything that doesn't align to that we we take it upon ourselves and we make it our fault which is often a pattern i believe from, that comes from childhood because we we take it as our fault or that there was something that we did wrong to to make the parent mad or to to for whatever happened to us and then that can play out and then we we push it further into the subconscious so you're essentially from what i understand putting your foot further on the brake because you're trying to deny that piece of yourself or make yourself wrong for it and something that really landed for me when um we did the workshop together where you helped us to um, break down our own personal autonomic nervous system patterns was this knowing that like everybody moves through the entire spectrum from dorsal to sympathetic to ventral. Everybody has experience in all of them. And that was such an exhale because you go, oh, it's part of the human experience to actually witness the whole spectrum of human life. And yes, we all have different experiences in our childhood, in 
the specifics of what each of us move through and how we process the world, but actually to have that knowing of, hey, we all have this autonomic nervous system and we all fluctuate between all pieces was really powerful. And I think it makes you go, okay, I'm not wrong for feeling that. I'm not wrong. It's not my fault, which can be something that I know that I've experienced within my journey. It's like, oh, why is this? <laughs> why me? Like, you know, like, why? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did I do wrong to get me into this place of feeling depressed, lonely, lost, isolated, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Either yeah, there's that self-protective piece again, which says, okay, I must have done something wrong. I can control this. I can get myself out. And what you're talking about, the hierarchy of the autonomic nervous system is really, it's a hierarchy of survival adaptations that, like you said, we all have in the human experience. All mammals have this actually. Mm. It's, it's a polyvagal nervous system. So if anybody's interested in poly polyvagal theory, highly recommend diving into that. We'll touch on it a little bit today, I think. But when we, when we're under threat, our nervous system has to do something about that. If we, if we didn't do anything about it, we would all be sitting ducks, right? We'd be wingless chickens walking around and it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have survived as a species the way that we have, right? With all the threats and dangers of real you know, real life and nature and all of the things. Hmm. So we have a very normal, healthy, natural response system that moves us towards self-protection or moves us towards feeling biologically safe and socially connected. So that's the hierarchy when we talk about the autonomic system. And there's three main parts of the autonomic nervous system. The top one, we'll say top, which is really just safe and socially connected, mm -hmm. that's called our ventral vagal. At the very bottom, we have our dorsal vagal response. This part of the nervous system is 500 million years old. So <laughs> it, knows, it knows what it's doing, right? <laughs> like it's, yeah. It doesn't exist on accident, right? It's, it's a very old, very instinctive, very powerful part of our nervous system that clicks on when we are about to experience life threat or when we are experiencing life threat. Mm -hmm. Now that can be like the acute things that you mentioned at the beginning, like for sure car accidents or being deployed or, you know, really uh, obvious traumatic relationships, but it can also, we can neurocept threat internally as well, mm. right? That chronic interruption of connection, our body perceives that as threat because if connection is a biological imperative and our attachment to connection is either not available, chronically interrupted, or also the source of very deep and real pain, mm. our body has to protect us from that in some way. And so we move into the self-protective part of our nervous system, which is that 500 million years old dorsal vagal response. Which, middle, which is from just to give like a little bit more, which would be more like your freeze response, which could be like, re, like overwhelm, like 
maybe depression where you maybe don't want to get out of bed in the morning where it's just like that very sedate sedentary almost kind of shut down shut the world out at the very like the very bottom of it like just in terms of how people like may experience it so there's a little bit of uh, just like context it would be that freeze response absolutely yeah and yeah. it's exactly you know shut down and shut in and it can be characterized by feeling frozen immobilized stuck uh shut down and again all of that happens on on purpose essentially because mm -hmm. the whole part of that autonomic system is to conserve energy yeah. right if we're in a state of life threat or even just perceiving life threat or rather neurocepting life threat which happens sub perception mm -hmm. or happens on an unconscious level if being in that fight or flight so fight or flight is the middle so we've got the three ventral vagal fight or flight and dorsal so if our fight or flight response hasn't worked to keep us safe right we dip down into shutdown or immobilize or energy conservation mode as a last ditch response for survival. Mm. So I use this analogy all the time, but think about a possum playing dead. Yeah. Right. He has nothing else in his toolbox, right? If that doesn't work and there's a very real threat or a fox or something that is ready to eat him, mm -hmm. like that was a pretty risky maneuver, right? So you, <laughs> You really, when we get to that dorsal vagal response, our system has been so overwhelmed or has gone so much beyond range of what we can tolerate that it's perceiving threat at the level of life threat. Mm -hmm. So the system goes basically, fuck this, no more, collapse, I'm out. And it's designed to be temporary. So this is where we go back to everyone has this part of the nervous system, right? It's actually not bad. We need to have that shutdown response as, as that last ditch effort for survival. If we're in a situation of life threat and we're still thinking about, you know, what we're going to make for dinner or, you know, a client conversation that we had earlier in the day, like that is not helpful. So, <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> so our system needs to shut, like pull back from that. So we actually lose oxygenation to our prefrontal cortex and we only have access to very old, very impulsive responses, right? So shutdown is supposed to be temporary mm -hmm. and it feels like shit. Yeah. It does not feel good to be shut down. It doesn't feel good to just experience neurologically and biologically that your life is in threat or under threat. Yeah. Right? Like, let's be realistic about what this is for. It's not fun. We also don't have access to many good feeling thoughts right so this is a place where people often find their mind ruminates mm. which again makes so much sense because they're trying to find a solution to why they feel this way right so the mind's just right but if we don't address the underlying neuroception of threat that actually got you to that place your thoughts are not going to be helpful at all. We have to get you out of biological life threat so you can have access to your prefrontal cortex so you mm -hmm. can feel safe to actually land in your body. Yeah. So that then you can start realizing, okay, what's the pattern here that reliably and consistently brings me into this place of shutdown, 
right, that I'm so familiar with. What's the 30,000 foot perspective of the chronic interruption of connection that I'm experiencing that keeps me in a place of shutdown? Because obviously, if, you're, if you find yourself there often, mm-hmm. your system is protecting you from something. And this is where the trauma comes in as well. Yeah. And this is reminding me of, um, as part of my my Tantra course, they did a piece on trauma-informed and they had shared that it's like, whenever you see, for example, that possum, like after it plays dead, and once it realized that the threat has gone away, what does it do? It'll shake like it'll shake it out, like physically move the body because it also needs to clear the adrenaline that was ready to to pump to fight or flight. As soon as we freeze, we're actually locking everything in. And I know that you'd shared as well, like movement really helps to actually, like gentle movement helps to gently guide you out of that dorsal state. Is there anything else that you could if anybody's listening to this and they feel like they're regularly in that dorsal state is there anything that they could do to support that or is there anything that you can elaborate on with that yeah the key there is gentle movement yeah because i'm sure people listening can really relate to actually being stuck not in the dorsal place but in that fight or flight energy that go, 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 do, 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 I have to keep going, I have to keep like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are like, movement, awesome, got it. I can work out like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, but that's um, the, the sympathetic. It's the like the fight or flight, maybe more of that go, yeah. go, go, yeah. So the, the key to getting out of dorsal is gentle movement because what can actually happen is people are so familiar being the fighter, having to fight for everything. Everything is so hard. And that's different from shutdown, right? Mm -hmm. Fighting is not the same energy as shutdown. It's still not fun. It's not fun to feel that you need to fight to prove yourself or to fight to be seen or to fight to have connection, right? Or even to fight to love yourself. Mm -hmm. I got to go to the gym and I got to do everything right. And I got to meditate and I got to, I got to be the perfect coach and I got to get this many clients in my group program. And I got to go, 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 go. And as long as I do everything right, I'll be okay. I'll be able to keep my head above water, which is that dorsal response, right? I don't want to go to shutdown. I don't want to go to shutdown. I don't want to go to the place of hopelessness in my body. So I got to fight, 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 fight. So it's important to make that distinction because in that place, movement, we got to be really careful with that. Yeah. Because what your body might actually be needing is, hey, chill, relax, slow down, slow down, yeah, come back up your polyvagal ladder into the place of safe and socially connected, right? So that we can restore the nervous system, we can assimilate and process all of the information that you just naturally get from being alive, right? Let's be in our home. So ventral vagal is supposed to be our home, Mm. right? But sympathetic fight or flight or shutdown becomes our home away from home in our nervous system because we're actually so much more familiar with having to fight to stay alive, right? Or even being totally shut down and collapsed because connection is so confusing and painful for you. Yeah. Right? 
So if you're in that sympathetic energy and it's like, okay, I don't want to feel dorsal. I'm just going to have to go to the gym again, or I'm going to move myself to distract or numb, or I'm going to pump, I'm going to put my music on so loud and pump adrenaline so much in my body that I can't feel myself dipping into this dorsal energy. Mm. The downside to that is maybe not right away, but in a couple days, your body's going to move you into that dorsal energy anyways, because it's saying, Hey, we can't keep this up. Yeah. It's literally impossible for your body to sustain this level of energy. Mm. You're, you're going to break down if you do that. So we're going to drag you down into dorsal shut down, immobilized so that we can actually start restoring the system. Yeah. Right. Because you're not letting yourself do it in a place of being safe and socially connected. And it's this like perpetual feedback loop. And I know that before we hopped on, it was like, and I know a lot of people, like a lot of coaches as well that I are in like our fields have been in that cycle of burnout and shutdown, burnout and shutdown. And something that you'd shared with me previously that I found again, really interesting was when we're in that ventral when we're in that like safe and socially connected because there is that safety in the nervous system what we can find is some of our like deep stuff desires to come up because it feels safe essentially to be seen because you're in that regulated space to actually be able to consciously heal those pieces and see them and love them and accept them because you're in this resourced and regulated space. And that was really powerful for me to receive from you because so often what we're used to doing is when we're in that sympathetic or in that dorsal, we're looking for ways to justify like why we're in that space like why i'm not good enough why like i'm not lovable why i'm not you know insert whatever it is like wherever you're at when you're in that sympathetic or dorsal space witnessing your mind and how it tries to justify and and to your point find evidence of like why you deserve to be there it's really interesting to to understand that when we are in this safe and regulated space, and especially when people have been on the healing journey for a while, you can be like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all the things. Like, why is this coming up? I thought it would be gone and done. To understand that it's coming up to be seen and to be healed. And I think that that's why it's so important to understand everything that you do with the nervous system and the attachment wounds um attachment uh pieces because if you can connect to your body and you can understand what state your nervous system is in then you can recognize that the pieces that are coming up to be healed and actually that you're not going into a spiral right? That it's not then it's not coming up to take you down. It's coming up to actually move through and out to heal that and peel back that layer. So how would you maybe recommend that people 
discern between those places. Yeah, I love that you presence that because the first thing that I suggest for everyone is to seek out safe, consistent, reliable co-regulation. So I'll give a little bit of context on that. These, you know, the disorganized pattern to bring it full circle. Yeah. That happens when our relationship with our primary caregivers is also, so the biological need for connection to stay alive, right? We need mom and dad's connection yeah. as key, you know, monkey beings. We can't do, we're, you know, we're half baked when we get, when we, get <laughs> yes. we need, we need our parents. Yes. <laughs> so we're wired to seek out ways to remain in connection, even when connection is actually life-threatening or connection forces us to fragment parts of ourselves. Like I'm, this part of me is not okay to mom and dad. Yeah. So I need to make that part wrong. Right. Or maybe when you were in that ventral energy, even as a child, right. When you were feeling safe and socially connected, it was only a matter of time before the other shoe would drop. It, would, it was only a matter of time before mom or dad would start fighting or mom would start picking, like there'd be some type of chaos that it would ensue. Mm. So your nervous system starts to expect that actually ventral vagal, safe and socially connected is anything but safe because the more connected I feel, the quicker the rug is gonna be pulled from under my feet. So that's how we get into that disorganized pattern of actually feeling safer in the predictability of fight or flight and shutdown. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. And to answer your question about, you know, how can people discern between like where they are on, on their hierarchy? First thing is don't judge yourself for not feeling safe and socially connected because there's probably a good reason as to why your biology has learned not to allow you to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And because of that over time, the ventral vagal nerve actually starts to atrophy. And so atrophy is the, essentially when we work out, we, our muscles grow and they hypertrophy. We, we create hypertrophy in our muscles and that's what allows it to grow and become more robust and all of the things. Mm -hmm. Atrophy is the opposite of that. So it's a biological term for growth or basically receding. So over time, if our nervous system learns to not be in ventral vagal for good reason, it actually starts to atrophy starts to actually lose its ability to function mm. so going back to what you said about the emotions that can surface when we're there yeah. naturally when we are when we start to heal and we you know we discover ourselves we discover these patterns we start to think about how all of the things that have happened to us in our lives have affected us we mature in our desires as adults Right? We did, we're figuring out who we are and we're realizing that, oh, not all of who, like most of who I am has actually been shaped by stuff that really isn't me at all. Yeah. So we start to really confront that and maybe we dip into that piece of connection because now we're starting to feel connected to ourselves more than ever before. 
And so that ventral nerve starts to get some energy in it. it starts to wake up. And remember when we're in our ventral, we have full access, not only to our prefrontal cortex, but our full range of emotional experience as human beings, which sounds lovely. (laughs) Until you realize the full spectrum is the full spectrum. (laughs) Absolutely. The duality that is held in the full spectrum, right? Mm. And the, the number one recommendation that I give to people to stay consistent Right, so not, because it's not actually uh, the chaos that people are afraid of. It's not actually the roller coaster. That's what people are really familiar with. They're familiar yeah. with the cycle of hustle shutdown and all of the hormonal cascades that happen with that. They love it <laughs> on level, right? Because it, it's like, ah, when I'm experiencing chaos, I am safe. I can navigate chaos like nobody's business. Yeah, because you're like, I know that what comes up has got to come down. Like, and I'm anticipating that like crash and burn because really? I'm I've done it my whole life, you know. Like, <laughs> and on a, on a deeper level, it it also means that you're doing something right. Like, yeah. ah, if it hits the fan, like, okay, this is predictable, right? Yeah. So. And, really funky things actually start to happen in your nervous system when you hang in the tension of ventral energy and things start to feel consistent right because that's when your autonomic nervous system goes oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit things are going well i'm getting everything that i wanted yeah when is the other shoe gonna drop right this can't last or i i don't want to get used to this or So there we have insert, quote, self-sabotaging behavior Mm -hmm. to bring you back down into the predictability of chaos and not actually getting what you want. And into that safety that we believe is more safe than that ventral space. Yeah, because that's exactly where we want to be is not getting what we want. Yeah. Because danger is in actually feeling safe and socially connected for long periods of time. Because we've learned to not tolerate that because that wasn't that wasn't our reality that wasn't our actual lived experience with our primary caregivers oh my gosh it's literally this is so good like i am loving this and actually i really want to touch upon um something that i know that we've spoken before and i feel like this um this piece around almost exercising the ventral bagel and actually like building strength and resilience to hold that space would be because we touched upon manifestation and you as a manifestation queen um have it's essentially when we talk about the manifestation piece and like asking for what we want and saying this is what i want this is what i desire and all of these conscious and unconscious pieces within the body that are actually allowing us to receive and we talk about our capacity to receive which is essentially how safe we feel in that ventral bagel space so yes like manifestation is freaking magic but it's also the ability to internally alchemize 
our emotions and those stories and the pieces that come up within that self-sabotage to then actually hold that space for ourselves and hold that connection with ourselves and our intimacy to actually then enable us to hold more to to build that strength and resilience to actually receive rather than employing employing that um disorganized piece that the 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 gas and brakes yeah absolutely we literally need to increase our our capacity for sensory experience of feeling good and getting what we want right because it's the sensory experience which could be many different things gratitude deep embodiment sensuality right your mm-hmm. queen of sexuality and sensuality right you need to actually increase your capacity to biologically feel those things because so often people will touch pleasure or touch feeling good and recoil from it because pleasure meant something Mm-hmm. that was really unsafe in the past yeah and it's in the body like it's a physiological response just adding to that yeah like a lot of the time because you bought you bought it in like a lot of the time like with orgasm like we have especially as women a pattern to contract the solar plexus which, which then stop which is our power center which stops the energy from moving throughout your entire body because there's that feeling of not safe that disempowerment like the disempowerment around being in a female body around like orgasmic energy around pleasure so we contract and we keep it small because we're terrified of what's on the other side it's such a beautiful example to bring into this because that that contraction that you're talking in the solar plexus that's the the self-protective response yeah right but the irony starts to happen when we as embodied women and adults we start to expand in our desire and we're like wait a second i want this now so those patterns that are keeping us safe for example i i want to feel mind-blowing rolling orgasms yeah i would love to feel that but then there's a part of your body on an unconscious level that's like no you don't because that's <laughs> terrifying terrifying because the sensory experience is going to be such an overload for your nervous system the you know maybe you don't tr- like you've never trusted a partner to hold you in that type of sensory overwhelm or maybe you've gotten in trouble before when you expressed you know all all these things mm. right so I really wanted to come back and answer your question because I know a lot of this information can be a big bomb drop on people. Oh yeah. People want the answers right out. Like, okay, awesome. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is amazing. Where do I get more? Yeah. So the ventral energy piece, I mentioned co-regulation. Yeah. Right. We, We can't actually expand our capacity to hold again without the biological need for connection. So all of this interruption, all of this chronic interruption of connection, it happened in relationship. Yeah, we learned how to organize our internal systems and our autonomic nervous system, again, which is the same part that controls your heartbeat, Mm -hmm. based on the neurofeedback we were getting in co-regulation with our primary caregivers. 
So how do we shift that? How do we hang in the tension of being in that ventral energy and re-experiencing all of the things that we could not experience in childhood? Our nervous system needs to be in safe, consistent connection with another regulated person's nervous system. Mm. To hold your nervous system in the dark, to go where no version of it has gone before, literally navigating new neural pathways in the dark, Yeah. right? So that that other nervous system can say, okay, one step forward, it's safe, I've been here. So the nervous system takes one step forward in the dark. And then we start to light up that new area. We start to increase our ability to hang in the tension of that ventral energy, right? We start manifesting maybe little things, right? Like, oh, I got what I wanted, okay. Can I not make a story about how this is gonna go away or how I'm not gonna be able to do it again or whatever? Can we just hang in the tension of celebrating that? Mm. And then we take another step and we take another step and we take another step. And that has to happen with safe and consistent co-regulation. So of course we're coaches. I'm not just saying that that has to happen in a coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. It can happen. A lot of people find liberation in 12 step programs, right? Because that's literally what they're experiencing. There is co-regulation people witnessing other people's nervous systems, even in the chaos and the shame and the dysregulation, right? It can happen with, um, you know, I'm a, that's where religion comes into play. That's why people are attracted to religion because it provides this social network and this, nervous system regulation, even if it's not exactly liberating, even if it might be a little bit disorganized, Mm -hmm. getting that connection met. And of course it happens with a coaching relationship or, or mentorship or therapy and counseling. Like that's what all of this is, right? But it's really containers where your nervous system can trust the reliability that you have someone on your team and you have your nervous system can bounce its dysregulation off of another secure nervous system to basically reparent those parts of yourselves that needed to move into shame in order to survive or needed to fragment or needed to fracture in order to remain in connection that was kind of broken to begin with. Right, so we bring those fractured pieces back up in connection with another nervous system so that then you can learn to self-regulate. Co-regulation always has to come before self-regulation. And this is where I get so frustrated with the fallacy of the lone wolf. Yeah. We gotta do it. We gotta hold, we gotta, you know, do the thing. It's like, well, actually, biologically, that's not even how we're, it's not possible to do it that way. We actually have to be in co-regulation first And then we learn to self-regulate. And if co-regulation at a young age meant the disorganized pattern, right? We need to unwind that in another relationship. Because to your point, going again, full circle, the way that we do one thing then ripples into everything else. So if you've got that one safe space for, of no judgment with like, a securely attached like person to co-regulate then you're able to then do that yourself and to experience that with the self-regulation that then ripples off into other spaces because you can take that knowledge and that wisdom and apply it to them 
every other area of your life and just to share a little bit um of like my story i for such a long time took it upon myself i was like i need like what like i need to heal this like once i like and i have had many periods in my life where i've stepped away and i've isolated myself to be like okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna heal and then you come into like for example i'm gonna heal my broken heart and then you come into the next relationship and all the stuff comes up because to exactly your point there's only so much work that we can do in meditation in isolation in breath work in whatever the tools are that we use they're incredible they're amazing tools to use when you're in relationship to actually pull upon to regulate your nervous system like we can practice the tools in isolation but then so often we can actually drop all the tools and we actually are in that that um relationship i'm going to use romantic relationship all of those pieces come up and because it feels so familiar in maybe that disorganized pattern that then you forget all the tools that you've been practicing <laughs> because you're you you slip into that space of dysregulation so i think that that's a really important piece from like my journey to bring into it is understanding that the tools you practice in isolation firstly isolation is only going to get you so far if you cut yourself off from the world then you're not actually experiencing the fullness of the human experience which is to your point to be in connection and to be social beings that are safe and socially connected um, but you get to master your tools and bring them into support your nervous system to regulate your nervous system when you're in spaces where maybe you need to step up and be the person who is regulating their nervous system for somebody else to process their shit. Yes, and in romantic relationships, it's important to keep in mind too that especially if you're having like intimacy, right? If you're having sex with the person, your, your co-regulation is gonna, can get so messy, mm -hmm. right? It's not just you who's feeling dysregulated. And we forget that, right? We forget, especially if we have wounds of like, I need this person to be a certain way so that I can feel a certain way. Yeah. We forget that both parties ultimately are deeply desiring connection, but may have triggers that complement each other, right? They may yeah. have, <laughs> hello attachment patterns right oh yeah and at, to your point when that happens we both parties recede from the prefrontal cortex and now you've got two five-year-olds driving the bus yeah right who are like no you do it no you do it no you save me no you do it like it's just right it can be really really messy so anyone yeah. listening who's really feeling this in their romantic partnership this is where investing in a coach outside of your relationship to help you process some of those things that may feel in this moment too activating to you and or your partner to actually stay grounded when you're having those conversations with your partner when it comes up so you can co-regulate about the stuff that comes up in your relationship with another person so that you can feel more secure and grounded when you're having that super familiar fight or that regular insecurity comes up 
right? Now you can create a little bit of space between the felt sense in, in your body of, I'm not safe, I gotta do something about this. You have a little bit of space to say, okay, what's happening here? What do I need in this moment to keep myself grounded in my prefrontal cortex? And maybe sometimes in that moment, it's, okay, I gotta, I gotta take a pause from this and check in with my coach. Or I actually need some distance here and I need to go for a walk, mm -hmm. right? Or, or doing the opposite of what your pattern normally is. If your pattern is to go closer to your partner and like pick and poke and, and wake the sleeping bear up, right? Because you need that chaos to feel yeah here, right? Or shutting <laughs> down, avoiding and just pretending that they're not there and you don't care about them and their needs don't matter, right? Neither of those, that's the patterns that don't work anymore. Yeah. So the invitation would be to do the opposite, even for a moment, you don't have to consistently do the opposite of what you want to do, but even for a moment to interrupt that pattern and say, even though this is hard, even though I, what I really want to do is be in a fight until I feel resolution, I'm actually going to step out of the room and scream into a pillow. Maybe previously I would have screamed at him or her or whoever mm -hmm. you're in a relationship with, but I'm going to scream into a pillow. Right? It's Maybe one of my favorite know. things. <laughs> yes. I love a pillow scream and a tantrum. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. That's totally my jam. But it can be opposite to that too. It can be, you know, I'm going to totally shut, like I'm going avoidant. I'm just not going to be here right now. Mm. So the opposite of that would to be still give yourself the space that your nervous system needs, just like your nervous system still needs to scream into the pillow. We have to do something with that energy. We can't just pretend it's not there. Yeah. It's like, okay, I need, I need a moment here. I'm coming back. Yeah. I need time. I'm coming back. Even that stretch of just connecting to your partner in that way. Like I need to disconnect from you mm -hmm. and I'm coming back. Yeah. Like, so it can just be that little shift. And I think that that piece in terms of like the anxious and avoidant patterns I'd I'd I think I'd read it and this was something that was really powerful like if somebody has an anxious attachment in that moment of conflict when you can feel that that person is like love me save me like give me attention one of the most healing things that you can say to that person is I'm not going anywhere like I'm here I just need to yeah. take this space and for the avoidant person it's like okay like i understand you take as much space as you need i'm not going anywhere and i'll be here when you come back yeah like That's that secure <laughs> yeah and like that could be a, a really big stretch but i know one of the most healing things for me has been to receive that hey like I'm not going anywhere. And my whole system just went, okay, like it's a huge exhale. And so to your point, like having that moment of consciousness where you can take the intimacy that you've built with yourself through coaching or through having support to, to actually just have that space for a breath and bring that awareness of what do I need right now? Or, or what essentially, how can I invite love into this moment? Because the most loving thing for both 
people in that situation if you can feel that your system is being activated if you can take that breath and lean into love like what do i need right now to love myself what does this other person need to feel that love and support without me sacrificing one for the other like that breathing space that breath of like and i'm saying like that breathing into love but it comes from i think that space of knowing how to love yourself through and i'm taking pause (laughs) it's that co-regulation piece that you talked about right yeah need to experience that from another person first and this is a lot of people have a struggle accepting this right because like no I want to do it all myself it's like well when you were a baby you didn't do it all yourself right so remember that that's what we're unpacking here right so we get to see in safe and consistent co-regulation that the person isn't leaving yeah right that's the benefit of a coach and especially longer term containers Right. If anyone's like, why would I, why would I need to invest in a coach for a year? Well, if you resonate with these patterns, like first, definitely feel if you vibe with the coach and maybe invest in a three month container first, Mm -hmm. but being in a co-regulated container, knowing that that coach is not going anywhere and having the trust and the regular check-in and the regular co-regulation and seeing that they witness you and all your messiness and all of your breakdowns and all of your judgments and your anger and no matter what comes up, the coach will not be moved, right? The coach is going to mirror back to you. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Even if you want me to, I've had clients when we really get into the nitty gritty, well, they will pick a fight with me Mm. because they're, they're trying to push me away to prove to themselves that everybody leaves. Yeah. Right. So they, they've gotten really vicious. Right. And so I put the boundary up, we take a pause and then I come back and they're like, oh shit, she's really not going anywhere. Yeah. And then that gives, that shows your nervous system how to self-regulate in those moments, which is essentially not abandoning yourself. Yes. Right. The co-regulation is what teaches you how not to abandon yourself in the moments where you previously have wanted to run or distract yourself or numb out or create chaos or whatever. All of those things are forms of self-abandonment. Yeah. But I feel like it can be so liberating for people to know that, hey, you're not supposed to know how to do that on your own, especially if you didn't get it in childhood. Ideally, we're supposed to be gifted that by our parents. Yeah. Right. But we're all, you know, trauma gets passed down intergenerationally. Right. So we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all a bunch of eight-year-olds running around (laughs) trying to adult. Seriously. Yeah. I feel like that is such a powerful piece to kind of wrap things up with because and I really love really love that element and that nugget of co-regulation being imperative and being natural and that's why it's also if you're listening and you have this resistance to leaning on people for support or 
you're feeling really alone and and maybe that aloneness is making you want to isolate even more let this be your invitation into seeking support from somebody else because that's your gateway into all of the beautiful healing and the reflections and that self-regulation that then gets to take you to a whole new level of intimacy and a whole new level of safety and gets to then take your relationships across the board with love, with money, with business, with everything and takes them to that new level. Yes. Yay! Is there anything else that you would like to share? Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they get more of your magic? So I intentionally try to put as much of this magic on Instagram as possible. So that's the easiest, quickest way to find me. There's lots of juicy tidbits on there. So it's at Embody by Jewels. I also have, thanks to your suggestion, an evergreen course coming up, which is really, it's not a course, it's a masterclass to, that essentially will guide you through creating a roadmap for the autonomic nervous system that we've presenced in this podcast. So if you really want to know exactly what your responses are when you're in dorsal, when you're in sympathetic, when you're in ventral, so you can feel more empowered to be able to navigate that, this evergreen masterclass is for you for sure. And that will be on my Instagram as well. All right, just to give you guys a heads up, I did this masterclass and it unlocked so much for me. It was so freaking powerful. So if this podcast has whet your appetite for this work, I 100%, recommend that you do this masterclass because just that understanding of being able to see what your specific patterns are and what your specific roadmap is when you're in all of the different states to your point is so empowering for navigating when you're in those spaces even in the sympathetic and dorsal for me having done this masterclass with you now i'm like oh i'm able to recognize hey i'm in dorsal right now or hey i'm in sympathetic right now and i'm able to then get myself more rapidly back to a ventral space because of that recognition even if my oxygen is not fully (laughs) reaching my prefrontal cortex and i don't have full capacity to access logic just having this roadmap that you supported me in creating is now it feels like it's a fast track to ventral which is fucking epic yeah i love that i mean that's that's what it's there for i'm so glad thank you for sharing that with me yeah and thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this wisdom it has been i just love conversations with you because i feel like i learn so much and i'm just so honored that you said yes to um, gracing wild and untamed with your presence. Yes, you so have been listening to Wild and Untamed with me, your host, Lara Raybone. As we mentioned, all of the links and the ways to connect with Julianne and all of her magic. She is honestly incredible and 
being in connection with her has truly transformed my life and so I'm really excited for you to connect with her and to tune in to her magic and all of her offerings. Everything that you need to connect with her or me is in the show notes below and I look forward to seeing you next time on Wild and Uncaged.